Welcome to episode 496 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 496 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good. Yourself? Welcome to the new year. Happy new year. Happy new year. Did you have a big new year's? We did stay up until about five past midnight. Yeah. So do Cray cray. <laughs> cray cray. Yeah. You're in the, the lingo there, mate. Oh, yeah. yeah. What Watch were you doing on New Year's? Fireworks display. There's this lady. Hey, we go to Kiteri Terry and there's this, some rich American lady... She puts spends thirty thousand dollars a year, and she puts on a fireworks display for Kaiteri, wow. and it's a proper kick yeah. butt fireworks 30K. display. Apparently, yeah, it's impressive, and it's on a barge out in the water. So we've got oh, it was awesome. We had some fireworks at Glen Dubay. Big big time. Oh mate, someone spent at least ten dollars on them. Mm. <laughs> they really went all out in Glen Dubay. Nice. I stayed up to about ten past twelve. Yeah. And we were a partying group of people when Joe and I got to 12 and then we just got to you know, to the side and went to bed. <laughs> it was very good fun. I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by... Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And uh, let's name a few of those guys. Damien, the $100 Bill Bennett. $100 Bill. We've got Paul, the Tiger Monroe. Uh, one of our famous ones, James, the Wise One Botel. We've got Richard, don't mess with the scary bear, Waddington. And Gareth, the Mighty Flynn. He'd be one of the early ones too, wouldn't he? The Mighty Flynn. He was, I remember that being years ago. If you want to become a patron, uh, make sure you go to www.imtalk.me. Uh, we've got a big year this year going to Kona, and uh, so your support is really recommended. <laughs> recommended <laughs> and appreciated uh, also if you are a patron make sure you send through your website pictures so we can put yes up. I'm going to start profiling a few people in there because uh, we've got we've got loads of pictures on there but not everybody sends them in so if you are a patron and you haven't sent your picture through send through a picture just a paragraph about yourself and uh, if you want to check out who are patrons check out the website hey and it's recommended so it is recommended this week show we've got some news it's quite time of the year we've got some news we've got some statistic uh we've got an interview who are we interviewing john we are interviewing Susie cheatham who a lot of you will have never heard of but she actually came sixth in kona last year on debut and absolutely smoked it. Wow, it's pretty impressive. Very impressive. Yeah, yeah. I read her profile that was on tryrating.com. Mm. Pretty interesting stuff. Um, also, questions and answers at the end. Okay, Jombo, let's look at a little bit of news. 10-year update. What's happening? So, we have our 10-year anniversary camp Which coming up. It's, oh, it's in your diary. You've accepted the invite Have on uh, on Facebook to the event. Yeah. So if you want to find out the details, go to imtalk.me, and then on there you've got a little uh, join us um, button. Click on there and you'll find out the details. But the big news is if you're coming down or you want to come down, Scott Molina is going to be joining us. It's your chance to meet one of the absolute legends of our sport, great storyteller, and also just... A wicked dude. Oh, yeah. Far out, yeah. So Got one of the top four. What is it? The big four. The big four? The big four's there. Hawaii Ironman champion. But 
I think he, that, you get put up there as the Ironman champion, but what he achieved over short distance was much more remarkable than his uh, Ironman victory. If you, don't, you don't get called the Terminator if you're a schmuck. No. <laughs> you know, let's so, be honest. So it's going to be on the 8th, 9th, and 10th of April. Friday the 8th is just going to be a, an evening swim, either an ocean swim, if we can get it sorted to swim across the Littleton Harbour. That is the plan. I've just got to lo- organise the logistics, or otherwise we'll do 38 100s at the pool. Now, and there and back on the harbour? No, it'll just be one way. Because it's not three point eight, is it? Uh, it's probably not three point eight, yes. but it's a, it's a fair distance. Uh, it depends how straight you swim and how strong the tides are. Oh, uh, Saturday, the 9th of April, we're going to ride to Akararam back, which is one hundred and eighty k's with a fair dose of climbing in there. It is a tough. To be honest, that's the only bit I'm scared about. <laughs> but the run, you know, we have to do the run, but the, the ride. Oh. It's, and so that ride has got uh, 2,398 metres of climbing within it. And it's a beautiful ride. Oh, stunning Yeah, ride. it's a beautiful ride. And then on the Sunday, we will run a hilly marathon. Again, absolutely stunning run all around uh, the Godly Head area of Christchurch. So you climb up the big hills of Christchurch, run along the top, bit of coastal stuff, and then uh, back through suburbia, back to my place. And guess what I bought myself the other day, Bevan? Wait a second. A new car? No. no. It is in my garage, though. Oh, a new bike. It's a sport. It's a, sp- a sport? It you bought a new a sport? Bo- no, it involves a ball Wait, and a table. Are you a table tennis? Yeah. Wow, so what we'll put that on? I love table tennis. Do you? And the kids are probably just, they're just probably old enough for table but tennis. So, so we, can have, them easily. we can have some challenges before we start uh, the run and the bike and stuff. Or if you finish early, we can have a little table tennis championship in my garage. We should get some darts as well and knock in your 180! Nice. <laughs> that's my next job. You know, I just be that guy. Is darts a sport or a game? I think it's a sport. A sport or a, or a passer. I heard the guy who's the Phil Taylor. He did an interview on Radio Sport, and he was saying, uh, and the, the guy Tony Veach asked him that question: Is it a sport or a pastime? He said, "Well, I'd, I'd, it's classified as a sport in the UK." And he said, "I'd like it a hell of a lot more if it wasn't a sport, because then the tax classification it oh. saved like a million dollars a year in tax that you have to pay." Well, I've watched the World Championships. I watched the final because when we're on holiday, it kind of works out for us. It's a shame on our sport how much money those guys make. Because yeah. <laughs> picture of health. <laughs> I think you have to be overweight to do that sport. I don't mm. think there's, there's not many guys who are just even standard size. Anyway, but I agree. Back to the 10 year anniversary. It's going to oh, be yeah. wicked, and we're going to have. Uh, it's going to be heaps of fun. It's going to be heaps Melina's of fun. Melina's going to be there, and Melina's worth a billion dollars in stories. We've got um, international people coming in. Oh, this is good to hear. Yeah, Mike, um, Mike Pazell from Singapore is coming in, and. Come on, Australians. There's someone. Uh, Peter Th- Thor, 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 you're not on my list here on Facebook, Peter, but he's coming over from Australia. Australia. So it's going to be a good time, so get on it, people. And you Wellingtonians and Aucklanders and Invercargillans. And, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. If you are coming from overseas and you want to make a week of it, the weekend before, I'm running an amazing new the event. The weekend before? Yes. Wow. So it's if you want to. week for you. It is. It's called the Sea to Sky Challenge. You can check it out, c2skychallenge.com. And it's going to be a short distance triathlon, but it's going to be absolutely stunning. Ocean swim, 18K bike going up to the top of the hills in Christchurch, which is just a wicked hill climb. And then you're going to have this amazing coastal So do you start right at the top of the hill? You start the run at Godly Head, and then you'll have a downhill along the sort of the yep, along the waterfront and the trails, and you come over a hill and finish back where you started. So oh, it's going cool. to be a very cool event. So you could do that theoretically the weekend before, 
bugger off for the week and go down to Queenstown and Wanaka and then come back for our uh, our training weekend. It's a win-win, John. It's it a win. C2Sky.com, and it's a T for, t- I mean, number the number two, not the word two. Okay, guys, uh, let's talk about some news. So, the Triple Crown. Yes. Leading into things, you led in nicely on, on winning there. If you yeah. win the Triple Crown, it's up again. I so, have to go search- back. Well, I, I have seen nothing written about this, so I thought, I'm going to go onto their website and see what it says. And it is on. Surprisingly, and it's coming up in a couple of weeks. So the first race of the year is uh, Dubai? Yep, 70.3, January 29th. And in Austria? On the 28th of August. The same location that they had the 70.3 Worlds this year at, what is it, uh, Zappensel or whatever it was. So this is a 70.3 in Austria? Yes. And then we've got Bahrain 70.3 as well. So, again... WTC must be loving this. Because it's got no promo. I, I have not seen anything written about this absolutely anywhere. And it's just seems a bit odd that it's not promoted very well. Yeah, really. Well, maybe it's just close, maybe it's because it's that time of the year. Mm. So it's going to be an interesting challenge because well, you've got to be the, in the shape. Austria for a year. throws it a little bit, doesn't it? Well, no, the whole thing throws it a bit. You've got to be in good shape in January and December. Uh, most, you know, obviously the Australian New Zealand athletes at the moment, most of them are in pretty good shape. But anywhere else in the world, you know, they're in the middle of their off season. So if you if you're into this, and there is probably only a handful of people that really would be able to to do this, but um, you're gonna have to be in shape for those twelve months. Well, because really, can you do this and it's still one Kona? You'd, you'd think someone like Ray Lert could, but trying to be in really good shape in January for October is going to make it a little bit harder for those guys. Mm. So it's like, do I compromise, you know, the perfect winter preparation for Kona to chase a million bucks or am I going to go, right, over winter, I really want to take my biking up another 3 or 4% or whatever it might be, or do I want a million bucks? So, what would you do? Would you say Kona's more important or would you go for the million? Because you're not guaranteed the million, but, you know, let's say you no. can't. Because uh, a million bucks is a lot of money. I would probably say for most, the guys that are capable of, the, the Ironman guys that are capable of winning this, I think they'd probably be better off focusing on Kona. You know, your Keenlays, your guys like um, Fredino, etc. Still, it's a, it is a million bucks, but those guys have got long But is a Kona long-term. win worth a million anyway? It was 650 I think. No, but I mean like, you know. Like, In terms of what yeah. you make, it would be worth more than that, um, I would have thought. Yeah. Uh, but I think this has got some 70.3 expert for, for, Sorry to interrupt, but I wonder what the flow-on for Daniela Reith uh, you know what more money she made from even just winning the triple crown you know like getting the Kona championship gets you a lot of PR mm. does winning the triple crown get you more than the million dollars you win in the race it also it's funny I was in Queenstown having lunch and they had that um, Red Bull magazine which mm-hmm. you often see and they had a profile of her in that magazine and that's mm. a very kind of public you know not triathlon magazine mm. but um, but I wonder if triple crown brings in more sponsorship dollar as well I wouldn't have thought so no, but I mean, it's, 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 yeah. it's another race. It's a bit more profile, but she'd get a hell of a lot more profile from running Hawaii. So I think this has got someone like a you know Terenzo or a Tim Reed or something like that. It's got their sort of name written all over it. But um, after a second race, you know you <laughs> you could be down to a very few athletes on the girls' side of things. You know, if Daniela Reef turns up to any one of these races, you're kind of a bit screwed. Mm. So hmm. it will be interesting to see if she turns up. Mm. Yeah, she took a million last year. Yeah. I wonder what her payday was last year. Just just to be in prize purse. Thorson, there's a job for you. Yeah. So what did she win just in prize money it, last year? I tell you, I was completely off track when I said it was 650000 for Kona. It's not. It's like 125000 yeah, something yeah. like that. 
So, but is it, so would Kona still be worth a million? If you had good maybe management? I think it probably... Well, yeah, if you had a good management long term, yes, I would have thought. Because I remember when, uh-huh. we, when I did my kind of interviews around you know, how much top pros earn. Mm. A top pro was earning, and this was a pro who was didn't win Kona, but was up there. They were getting about three or 400,000 a year mm. when they were doing, when they are at their peak. Mm. So I wonder what, yeah. I, th- I think there'll be huge variation between someone like Freddie Van Laird and a uh, Chris McCormick or something like that. Mm. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see who rocks up on January 29th because you don't do that first race, you're out of the running. I personally think they'd be better off going three races of $330,000 and with a decent deep field and then you get a really a decent prize money um, fairly deep than going for this million bucks. So I think the interest will really start to wane on those uh, following two races after race one. Although the thing is, like Reef took it out last year and to be honest, she's probably the only person who can get, like even the boys, mm. you know, it's a little, she seems to be very dominant in her, in mm-hmm. her game right now. So there's a big chance it doesn't get paid out. Mm. You know what I mean? Like so, for the the prince, it's like, well, you know, in theory, I won't have to pay this every year. Mm. So, don't think he's too much worried about the money. I think he's struggling. <laughs> I think he's struggling. I get a bit of random news. Bit of random news. Uh, so, Iron Man have been on the the, the purchasing front they've uh, acquired the beach to battleship race which a lot of people say is a bit of a shame because it used to be one of a really good classic uh, long distance race in america now we never know the full story here maybe beach to battleship approached them don't know how it rolled out but e- either way uh, this year beach to battleship is going to be an iron man and a 70.3 so uh, i've had a couple of guys race that race over the years and it's um well, they both races on the same day uh, i would imagine so we don't see that much we don't but we do see a little bit Ken's does it? Yeah, it's one or two. But Ken's was more in a desperation, wasn't it? It's true. Mm, interesting. Mm. Uh, and then another one is WTC. A couple of years ago, they said that. Well, I, the, the, what we heard was that Phuket was not big enough for them, and, and Challenge ended up taking over the Phuket race. Uh, now uh, WTC are going back to Phuket, and Challenge have, uh, are not going to be there. They're going to so it's going to be a Phuket seventy point three. Challenge are also making um, some inroads in different parts of Asia. They're going to have the challenge. Um, good luck with this one. Yeah, good luck <laughs> with this one. <laughs> Kanchaburi. Yeah, I reckon you did pretty well Which is on the River, Qu- River Kwai on October 23rd. The bridge over the River Kwai, John. There's a yeah. movie, isn't it? Yeah, and then yeah. also Challenge Vietnam in the beautiful city of Nha Trang on September the 11th. So good to see some more races happening in Asia because there isn't a huge amount happening down that neck of the woods. So some other news that we got this week or, or over the Christmas period was from James Wise on Botel just saying that Chrissy made the... Uh, New Year's Honours List, she got an OBE, an Officer of the British Empire, and she was awarded an MBE, a Member of the British Empire, uh, or she had already. These awards go back to 1917, it's nice work James on your research here, uh, where uh, there was a British Empire and was is designed to recognise contribution and success in civil and military achievements. She's been big at the war I tell you. <laughs> uh, basically it's the Queen giving her big shout out and raising her profile. Uh, she gets uh, a trip to Buckingham Palace, which I wonder when that happens. Um, and it was, it was for sport and contributions to charity because you know, we all know that Chrissy has done, you know, a lot for charity. And so, big year for Chrissy getting married, having a baby, and getting an MBA. Pretty cool. OBE. Mm. Uh, she got an OBE. Sorry, she had an MBA. 
James did make the bet then. He goes, oh, you won a few Ironman World Championship, bang out another 450 episodes, and you might be a case for yourself to win an award, not to mention a cup of tea and maybe a crumpet. Now, crumpet in the UK means something different, yeah. doesn't it? Um, it does in New Zealand as well. You've got two, two versions, versions of crumpet. Of crumpet. Mm. Yeah. Well, if, if you've ever seen Benny Hill, they have a different type of crumpet. Right. We'll leave it at that. Does Sir Bevan James Isles ring a bell to you? I would love it. We were talking about this at camp because Richie McCaw, who's the previous All Black captain, who was just one of the greatest sportsmen of all time, turned down his sir. And someone goes, would you turn some bugger off? I'd be taking it straight away. Sir Bevan James Isles. Would you turn it down? Oh, absolutely. Um, um, oh, yeah. um, you don't like labels. No. You don't want to be. You don't want recognition. Get rid of that flag. God damn it. <laughs> get, when's the vote? I think it's in March. Now, were you happy with what happened? Were you happy with the outcome? That was my number two choice. What I'll was the number one? The, the same one with the black on it. The red. The red, sorry. Yep. Okay. Great go. podcasting. We haven't done a weather report yet today, though, guys. So, yeah. Overcast? No, Mystery. shush, shush. Oh, okay. We're not starting the year with weather reports. Okay. So we did have some races, Jombo? We did indeed. Last weekend we had the Tauranga Half, which is one of New Zealand's, probably is New Zealand's longest standing half iron ran race. It's not a 70.3, it's just an independent race. And Braden Curry took that out from Mark Bosted. But probably most interestingly uh, for Ironman New Zealand coming up, uh, Cam Brown was in third place. Is a couple of minutes off the pace, but still, the dude's still got it, man. He ran a 130. 113.54 and this course uh, I, had a couple, I had a couple of guys it's, it's got a couple of little bumps but it's pretty accurate I had guys racing and it was 20.9 kilometres so maybe 200 metres short so he's still running some some good times so he's can't see him not having a crappy race in Taupo uh, so that was on the guys but side of things the field. Mm. Mm. and then Amelia Watkinson took out the girls and on the comeback now is Candace Hammond who I think she was uh, has maybe gone off and had babies I think or baby I'm not sure but she was a fairly distant second 13 minutes behind Amelia Watkinson so we also had the name that we get the pronunciation wrong pretty much every year it's either 70.3 Pusan or Pukon you just uh, got pluck here Pluck. Yeah. <laughs> Autocorrect. And there we had uh, Benjamin Collins take that out and Barbara Riveros. And then finally, we also had in Australia just before Christmas, we just missed out on getting this uh, one out, was a new new race in Australia in Canberra taken out. Uh, they had $20,000 prize money, which is uh, pretty reasonable over in Australia. Lisa, Lisa Morangan took out the girls in 6.40 from Michelle Wu, and Ben Allen took out the guys' race in 5.57. What I kind of like about this race, it's on that sort of ITU format where they do a 4K swim, 120K bike, and 30K run. I do like that distance. It's a bit fairer on the swimmers. You get a slightly longer swim, and... Yeah, it's just a little bit longer than the half, so a little bit better pacing is required. So, so I think the race is called the Triple Edge Extreme, it's put on by the Triple Edge Extreme Endurance Events, and I think it was mm. called the T3X Endurance mm. was the actual name of the race, and that was sent through by Hugh Wolverine Jacksman. Two-time age group of the week. Oh, Not many of them. Not many of them out there, I tell you. So we haven't really got any races coming up, the only ones, uh, we're next sort of long distance of any significance is Challenge Wanaka coming up on February the 20th, I think it is. It's and it's interesting to see what sort of field they get this year. Always yeah. is. They usually get one or two. I'm sure Dylan McNeese will be what racing. Gina's racing. Is she racing? Uh, oh, she put a post up over Christmas. Did you read that post? 
uh, a skim reader. It sounds like she's sort of going to get into a bit of coach, a bit more coaching now and sort of maybe start to scale things back. Yeah, well, it seems like definitely scale things back. Mm. We should get her into the studio. She's back in Christchurch now. Mm. But um, yeah, yeah, so, so it'll be interesting to see if she turns up. Should we pretty due to pop out some more sprogs soon? I would have thought. No, I don't know. Maybe. Don't know. Well, maybe, maybe that's maybe the direction Maybe you should find that out before you put it out there. Just <laughs> Just so. Well, she has got one. She's got one boy. Yeah. Um, so who knows what's happening? But she's back in the golden land. Apparently, now. she wants more kids. Yeah, that's what apparently. <laughs> okay, we also had the uh, All World Athlete Championships crowned for 2015. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's what you say about it. <laughs> it pretty much rounds it up. Well, nothing against those who won it. Like, no, good on them. Because but. you don't. You don't um, put your hand up and go, I want to be entered in this. You're entered in it by default. But it really is not a proper representation of where you actually ranked. Because I did the standard, whenever I do these things, I think, right, let's go to the 35 to 39 year age group uh, for the boys and see how the guys rank up. And again, not trying to take anything away from these guys because they haven't elected to go in here. They've just done these races. So, but the sort of the show, Shannon Parfit got third in the women's. Yes, yeah. and but on the guys, so thirty-five to thirty-nine year olds, um, because the way the system set up, the guy who took out the thirty-five to thirty-nine age group uh, only finished in sixteenth place in Kona uh, with a nine twenty-eight. The reason he did very well, he, he was first at Texas Ironman, which is great, and he was also first and uh, no, second at Cozumel. Um, but to be really, I mean. It's all about Kona, isn't it? Kona and 70.3 worlds. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, I, I don't see... I, does this really make any difference? No. Do people really care? Well, like, yeah. if I'd won the 35-39 age group, you guys would be hearing about it. Oh, totally. <laughs> like, and you don't want to take anything away from these guys because, you know, like, you've still won it, you know, which is pretty yeah. cool. Um, but at the same time... I just think the only way this is going to work, and I've probably said this a million times before... It's a loyalty it, program, isn't it? It is. But if you want to get a proper representation you've got to have the championship races weighted really heavily. So then the guys that do really well in Kona are probably going to be really highly ranked in this. Otherwise, if Kona's worth the same as any other Ironman, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. I think that's the one... What did tweet. you get when you... What you what place, What level did you get when you... I was still a gold, gold, gold member. Gold <laughs> member! Um, so when you're a gold member, to show you top Linda that every night, um, <laughs> when you're a gold member, what did you get? Uh, you got a a, a, a a baggage tag? Yep. Wow. That was the extent of it. A baggage tag and... You've you got priority... Priority entries. I, se- I seem to still get that. Oh, do you? I seem to get all the emails through. You can enter 70.3 in the middle of nowhere that's 5 million miles away, but you can enter it now. Oh. So there is some benefits to it, again. It's a, as we've discussed, it's more of a loyalty program. But I think it. I think if you race three races, you're guaranteed a bronze, really, aren't you? Even, no oh, matter yeah. how well you do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I just think if they change the weighting, I think it will have a bit more respect for the for this whole system. Uh, the thing for me is, for for me, it seems that the reason they did this was to motivate you to do more WTC races. Is it really applicable? Do you think anybody out there right now is going, "Oh, I might do one more race just so I can do well in the age group rankings this year"? No, but I think there's a lot of people that are proud that they're gold. Oh, yeah, you know, no, I think, I, I, I do think. The problem is there's too many gold members out there. <laughs> gold <laughs> member. <laughs> Belinda, it ruins it. There's millions out there for Belinda. 
Oh, good times at rock and roll. Okay, guys. Uh, sponsor. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. So uh, we've mentioned it once or twice before. They now have the Athlinks blog. They've got 190 posts on there featuring articles almost every day about various endurance-related topics. Whether you're a newbie or a veteran endurance athlete, there is something in our blog for you. So that was one thing that I wanted to mention today. The other thing that I was thinking the other day was I'm going to set up an Athlinks account for Thomas and Felicity because oh, by the time nice. that they're older, yeah, that's, a good idea. that's actually uh, a pretty good idea. I don't think I think a lot of the events that they do will not be about yeah. uh, websites will disappear and stuff. Uh, so I thought it'll be a cool little thing for them to have when they're 20. They'll have uh, yeah, well, no, totally we my elder. Okay, when really I was five. When they're 21st, you don't have to buy them a gift, you just give them their athletes' yeah. account. Invoice them for all the time that I've spent uh, updating it. You're going to invoice them <laughs> even. <laughs> Here's a present. Here's your invoice that goes with the present. So there you go. I really love that idea. That's actually a brilliant idea. I can't believe we've never thought of that before. No, get your kids on. It's on like nowadays, buy your domain name for your kid's name. Mm. You know? Exactly. You know? like it's, it's you know, Some people apparently, I don't know if this is true or not, apparently, but before they determine their kid's name, they'll research if they can get all that information. Oh, God. Yeah, no, I'd definitely believe that. Yeah. Cray cray world that we live in, Bevan. Uh, imagine the kids' names 20 years from now when we run out of all these domain names. <laughs> so check it out, athlinks.com. Get your kids on there and also check out their blog. Okay, athlinks.com. Okay, John, discussion of the week. I actually put a little post up a couple oh, of days yeah. ago. was, uh, what do you guys want to see a bit more of uh, this year? Or what do you also, what do you want to get get rid of? And we had a few interesting comments. Um, somebody said that they absolutely <clears throat> love the weather reports. So, uh, oh, really? Andrew Brunt, he wanted more weather reports. And he's even put Met Service. No, I, I replied, there you go. You can check out Christchurch <laughs> okay. on a daily basis. Uh, Chief Curry's got more pro interviews, more age groupers. Uh, started today with a with a pro interview. Yeah, what about rear some really ordinary age groupers who have never made Kona but love the sport, the average 13 to 14 hour finisher. Also, what about some more videos on the website, maybe some technique videos? Bevan, that's a good job for you. Video takes time. <laughs> <laughs> like audio is so good. Like in years ago, we talked about, oh, why don't we do, you know, why don't we do some videos? And then you look at the videos, and it's really hard to get attention. Although we've got an audience, so maybe. But yeah, mm. uh, less comparing, complaining about your weather. You should try living in Northern Ireland. <laughs> Fair call. Uh, Christine, the grinder McKinley. More age group interviews. Uh, <laughs> like we I saw her the other day actually. Yeah, yeah, I was out for a walk. <laughs> She was actually grinding <laughs> up the hill. <laughs> uh, like when different coaches are on on two endurance corner, etc. I know I am talk, but the odd short course triathlete would make a good interview. I agree, Chrissy. Yeah, James the Wise One's got more shows, more wisdom from the coach, more endurance corner guys. Be nice tie in. Uh, more pro interviews, more pro coach interviews, more live Kona. Although we can't really do the live stuff in Kona, more prize draw opportunities to get more to Kona. Uh, no more joke telling of the week. Oh. Admittedly, we do once every kind of blue moon, and admittedly, they are terrible. Uh, more recipes, but more separate f- podcast titled Cure for Sleeplessness. Actually, I'm doing an interview <coughs> on my other podcast next mm. week for a guy called um, uh, the book called uh, What is The Off Switch? And it's all about this stuff. And so I'll let you guys know when I'm putting it up. It's a brilliant book that I've just read. And I highly recommend it, especially for kind of A-type people. Controversial, but are there more tangential podcasts covering sport where there is a relevant tie-in, e.g. marathon, cycling, swimming, ultra-running, CrossFit, yoga, etc.? Jill Bendor, just like 
about almost everybody else, more age groupers. And if they could be 50 to 60 year old women on their way to Kona for the first time like me, even better. Maybe some interviews with low carb, high fat athletes. Uh, is it working for them? Definitely, I'm going to explore that a little bit more this year as well, try to get some some more stuff on the practicalities because so many people are going down the the low-carb, high-fat path and just trying to weave your way through that and how you can try to avoid some of the pitfalls because it is quite a big change for your body. Um, Just on this, you know, a number of people here have recommended more age groupers. So if you've got someone in your area who you think would be good on the show, um, either as a top age grouper or just a regular age grouper who makes it all happen um yeah definitely be keen to get them on tim tansy's got bever making a comeback in exterior working with his limiters wow you know what exterior that's madness that is i'm not that confident on a mountain bike oh, i'm woeful on a mountain bike yeah this is a good one thomas uh thomas de quirk how about uh, my first try spot? Short section on people's very first try or a club yeah, spot. A Invite club captains from around the globe to chat about their team and what they do. My mm. first try. Mm. We can make that a little mini segment. I like it. Yeah, I do like that. Uh, Matt Trench, more blended challenges. I am the current champion. Absolute high point of the show to date. That, that is very true. And um, my- Oh, you go. Uh, good old Arnold Silikov, uh, uh, who's going down. He's doing the Wanaka Taupo double. Oh, is he? Mm. Um, what about a race presentation by pros or regular, regular age groupers let's say a month out um, of a race bring in Cam Brown for example to give some tips on Taupo or Gina Crawford before Wanaka um, some some things like that good idea one thing that we are bringing out um, that I was actually meant to get out before Christmas but I completely forgot about it is the I Am Talk race guide so what good old Tony Hodge legend that she is oh, has yeah. done how's that coming along um it's going all right. We've still got lots of races to fill, but we've now got a web. We have a just a WordPress page um, that'll have loads of the iron distance races around the world and just contributions from people on all the little things. You know where to stay, what to do with the kids, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's just prompted me to to try to get that out in the next couple of weeks because it's it's fairly complete. But a lot say in Asia we haven't got many races there, but most of the main races around the world we have got them covered. Okay, John. Uh, this week's discussion or oh, anything you want to add to it. I think that's pretty much where we're going. Uh, no. Yep. Okay, this week's discussion, what should we do for a 500th show? Now, are we doing 500th or are we doing the We're doing the 10 year. We'll have to do something on a 500th. Uh, okay. And then we'll do our main 10 year anniversary will be on... Press up uh, challenge. Done that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, main, the main big celebration show will be, say, the week, the, the, the day after our 10 year anniversary camp. So April 12th or whatever it might be. But we have to do something for our 500th show. Okay. I think my first idea is is to bring the kicker up here, and we'll do a little uh, kicker challenge. So the okay. Wahoo kicker. So well, well, we can't be too long. No, we need something fairly short. Like and a I, and I think blast or something. I think you'll absolutely smoke me with all your bloody stuff that you do at the gym. But well, we'll give two, it a go. Two spin classes a week. Yeah. For compared to your 180k that you ride every week. Oh, a total. But how how far are you riding today? You would do 70 today? 70, yeah. yeah see. I think it's drilled yeah. today. Yeah. So this week is, what should we do for our 500th show or for our 10-year anniversary? Um, give, give us some ideas. Jumbo, let's skip everything and put the interview in now. Because I know good. you're going to want to leave soon. Yes. And you're going to pull rank. And we had a long interview, so we're, we're doing all right time-wise today. And we can do that stuff next week. So mm. Jumbo, uh, interview, who we got on? We've got Susie Cheatham. Now, mm. this is a name many people wouldn't have heard of before Kona. No. Smoked it. And cracking race, eh? Yeah. And just another name out of the UK. Bloody Poms. 
It's ridiculous. Luckily, they're good at rugby. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I, I just, you could name, I don't know, easily five that could get in the top five well, of Kona. It's the most dominant country right now. Uh, women's racing, absolutely. Well, and triathlon. And, 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 and triathlon in general, yes, I'd agree. You know, no other country has as many high-level mm. female They haven't got many athletes. long... Oh, no, they have got a few long-distance guys now with um, Tim Don and guys like that. So I take that back. And Joe Skipper and people like yeah. that. So they've got a few coming around. But in terms of females and then at ITU distance on the males and females, absolutely just crushing it. Go the Poms. Mm. The mother country, John. That's why I want to keep the original flag. Have that <laughs> little Union <laughs> Jack in the middle from the mother country. I am going to be campaigning when that flag... <laughs> Debate comes up. I'm, cha- I'm changing my Facebook page. You've been that. complaining for the last six months. Oh. <laughs> You're hardly ever on Facebook, but every third post is about the bloody flag. I know. <laughs> okay, here she is. Here's Susie. Okay, guys, um, we're going to start our new year with uh, introducing one of our top Kona athletes from last year. Her name's Susie Cheatham. She got sixth in Kona last year, uh, having the fourth fastest run split, but they, they all ran 306, a pretty much equal fastest run split on debut and she hasn't come from absolutely nowhere she has got some history but a lot of us don't know about it so we're going to find out today so welcome to the show Susie hi guys thanks thanks for having me on right so give, give us give us the lowdown on yourself you know your, your background you're, you're part of the armada out of the UK um where, yeah, where, <laughs> wow. where, where are you from and how old are you and, and what did you sort of used to do before triathlon um so yeah, I suppose I'm I'm one of many Brits that seem to be doing um quite well in triathlon. Um I have no idea why, but um yeah, we seem to be quite a good strong strong nation. Um yeah, I'm from I mean at the moment I'm living in um well just outside Bath, um in the mm-hmm. southwest of the UK. Um I started triathlon in 2000 and sort of the end of 2011 I sort of was cross training. I, I used to be a runner. Um, I ran at a pretty high standard. I ran for Great Britain and cross country and um, five thousand meters on the track. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just always injured, and it's quite an emotional roller coaster when you spend. I think I must have spent half of my time injured. So <laughs> I started cross training, and I decided at the end of two thousand eleven. Well, I'm doing a lot of cycling. I'm still running a bit, so I'll just do a half Ironman. So um so I did that and I quite liked it so I thought I'd carry on doing it and I I raced pro in you know I think my first pro race was January the next year in in South Africa 70.3 so um I suppose it went from there but I, I suppose yeah what, what? It's, um it was a, it was a good move I like it <laughs> in, in terms of your running um I read that you had a PB of 33.55 over the 10k what, what were you sort of able to bang out a 5k on the, the track um I did um 16 just over 16 I think it was like 16.02 no mm-hmm. um towards the end of yeah that was and again it's just it was just a it was a frustration because I always felt like I mean I just always felt I did that with an Achilles injury and I was sort of I mean, I know it's um, to say to say I, I just felt like I could always go faster, and with an Achilles injury, I couldn't wear spikes on the track, so mm. I never felt like I was really doing my best. So it was always, you know, it's it's horrible to 
be racing with frustrations that you're not really achieving what you feel is your potential but uh, I think there's a lot of frustrated runners out there that can sympathize with me. Looking back you know like I read your history as a child that you weren't actually a big volume runner uh, early on at least and you didn't actually run a lot and you had quite a bit of success you know often after the fact we kind of can reflect and see why things have happened why did you think you got so injured as a runner you know as you look back now? Um, I don't know. I just think it's it's quite a brutal sport. It's um, you know, I wasn't a big volume runner in terms of of running and runners. Um, but it's a lot of stress on your body, even if you're not what one would consider to be a big volume runner. It's um, you know, you're still running the majority of the time twice a day. Um, and then you might run, you might ha- you might have a rest day one day, and then. Um, on a Sunday you'd only run once because it would be your long run day um, but the rest of the time I was pretty much running twice twice every twice every day so it's, it, I think it's just you know there's no there's no rest from that constant pounding of the pavements and you know it's it's as every triathlete knows probably running's hardest on your body mm. um, so I think I think it's just simply that I think it's just the stress that running puts you in your body because it's weight bearing mm. so, so tell us about that first race you did um 2011 i think you won your won your age group did it all go swimmingly easier than you thought about the same harder i to be honest i didn't really have any expectations it just sort of um yeah i just i went in with no expectations i went in with a big smile on my face and i i really hadn't done much swimming at the time i sort of I pretty much knew I could swim 1.9k um, but it, that really was it like um, I'd go down to the pool I'd swim 1.9k I hated it and then I got out and then when it came to the race I, I did the swim and I was I, I sort of was swimming thinking what was the point in me even going to the pool because it was so different like I was getting chucked around kicked in the face I wasn't swimming the same as I'd swam in the pool because I was getting pushed and pulled all over the place. So the swim was a little bit of a shock. um, And I probably would say I didn't enjoy the swim that much um, because I just wasn't a good swimmer at all. Um, And I couldn't, I didn't have the ability to pull myself out of the sort of the washing machine effect. So I found it quite tough. And then, the rest of it was much as I expected, apart from the fact that I didn't, for my first few races, I found it really hard to adapt to the feeling of running so fatigued. Mm-hmm. Um, and to to be running what at the time, I mean, now I've obviously got used to it and it doesn't feel slow, but at the time, if, you know, I didn't run half marathons as a runner. I think I, I ran one right at the end of my, I suppose, running career. But... Um, I didn't run half marathons, so I, I wasn't really used to it. And to go from running 5,000 metres, 3,000 metres, to then going and go, going and running um, sort of what felt like a really slow half marathon, it, it was quite, it was quite a, it was a different experience. And yeah, it was quite odd to get used to. Um, probably the most important question of that first day, did you beat your husband or not? <laughs> um he didn't actually race but um yeah no probably um wisely in his opinion um but no we actually um that was technically my first triathlon um 
I, I did do a sneaky um, sprint triathlon, I think a year before that, but I wasn't even considering, I didn't even ride a bike at that stage. Um, it was actually on holiday in South Africa because my husband's from South Africa. Um, and I borrowed one of his friend's um, surf wetsuits. Yeah. And I, I did, he, his friend was six foot four. And I borrowed a surf wetsuit from a, a guy who was <laughs> four, just flooded with water and almost drowned me. And then, um, and then I borrowed the same guy's bike, um, <laughs> which I don't think I could reach the handlebars. Yeah. Um, and I went the wrong direction and he beat me by about two seconds, even oh, though really? I, I'd, I, I, I came out of the swim, I think last by about 10 minutes it was only it was a sprint triathlon I think I was like 10 minutes down on everybody yeah and then um and then on the bike I I just I was all over the place and then I think on the run I was coming back at him and he he beat me by about two seconds so I think he I think he retired in that race <laughs> <laughs> so um I read you did an interview with uh, Torsten on try racing that you sort of inadvertently um became went to racing pro straight away after that first race so sort of tell us your, your rationale behind that yeah um so I I didn't I hadn't really read up on triathlon and how the age group system worked and that you could um, compete in your age group and, and be a, a very serious and competitive athlete with, without becoming what I, without becoming elite. Cause in, in running, it was sort of like you either raced elite or you raced, raced with the pack. And, you know, if you raced with the main pack in a road race, then you weren't eligible for prize money and it just seemed like that was the natural progression I thought actually I if I could sort my swim out I could be quite good at this um so I just thought that was the natural progression so I just switched straight away and I also <laughs> I always think it, it, it seems like quite an arrogant move but mm. it was just an, a bit of a naive move really I didn't know how triathlon worked and that you could you know you look at some of the top age group athletes in the they're serious athletes so mm. um you know I just I wasn't aware of that so I switched straight to pro and that's that's the only reason really I would just yeah but, but at the time you're you're still very much working um full-time what what were you doing yeah yeah so I worked um I worked for a dairy nutrition company um on the human nutrition side of things um so the company that I worked for makes um whey protein mm-hmm. um and we um we supply this, uh, well, I don't work for them anymore, so not mm. we supply, but the company supplies um, whey protein to sports nutrition brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, at the time, I think it was, I think it was the largest supplier in Europe. Um, and then my job moved to more of a um, setting up a consumer brand for the company. So we launched our own brand into like the major multiples in the UK um, and I was sort of on the marketing side of that, um, developing the the product, developing the brand and launching it into like Tesco's and Sainsbury's and all of those um, big supermarkets. So, yeah, it was an amazing experience and um, something that was great at the time. But unfortunately, I couldn't balance both of them and do my job well and, and train well as well. So I went full time into triathlon in may last year so may 2015 um mm. I, I suppose in the once i qualified for kona it was it was really 
I, don't, I didn't feel like I could work anymore and, and compete against the best in the world. So um, thankfully it paid off in my result, but I was a little bit nervous it wouldn't do. <laughs> when, you, when you turn pro, you know, as you're saying, you kind of fell into it in some ways and probably, you know, naively just did, did maybe, maybe did a little bit early. What were the ambitions? Yeah. Was it very much just kind of, oh, I'm just doing it because it's the level or did you actually think, oh, no, I want to become someone who could, you know, get a top 10 in Kona or, you know, as you kind of set out on that journey? Um, no, not at all. I, I remember watching Kona thinking it was the most ridiculous thing. And I, <laughs> I was, I was, I was technically a, what, what triathlon labels as a professional athlete. But, you know, at the time, I didn't consider myself to be professional at all. I, I, I knew I was good, but I didn't, you know, I didn't see myself as like the other girls. And I didn't see myself as um, going to Kona. I mean, Ironman I thought was the most intimidating distance I you know I to cycle that far and run that far you know I'd never run a marathon until my first Ironman and I was so intimidated about the thought of running a marathon after cycling the most ridiculous <laughs> distances as hard as you can so yeah no I I am um, I didn't uh, simply my aspirations when I went pro was just to see how good I could be I th- you know I thought I could improve but I didn't know how much I can improve so I've just spent the last three years just with quite a natural progression improving every year um you know if you if you if anyone's to look at my results between 2012 and now it's quite a gradual progression um and then I think I had quite a big step up this year when I went full-time um with um with with Kona, with my Kona results um I think it showed that it was worth going full time, um, but the rest of it's been very gradual. So, so, what was the motivation to go long when you know you'd had three or four years of um, sort of seventy point three stuff? Was was going long always sort of what you had in mind, or were you just getting a little bit bored of the seventy point three? You just wanted a new challenge. What was what was sort of driving you to Kona? Um, I definitely wasn't bored of seventy point three, but there's always like a. Um, there's almost like a you want to know what it's all about because you do something that's called Ironman 70.3 but I'd never actually done an Ironman so um I was doing something that was branded as Ironman but I hadn't done one so I, it was just it was just interest really to see if I could you know in that was 2004 the end of 2014 I just thought you know I I'd set myself up my main goal was the 70.3 world champs in Montremblant and um after that I'd entered Barcelona just to be like oh you know see what it's all about have a new challenge and see if I could be any good at it um and yeah I, I quite I, you know I enjoyed it and um if you can say that about an iron man yeah. um I definitely enjoyed it after looking back at it and um you know it was, it, it was really tough because you know I had set up the year as a 70.3 year I didn't really have the volume behind me to um to pull out an amazing result but I you know I felt after that that I could potentially do something better um so yeah I went on to South Africa with proper structured Ironman training and I I think I stepped up at that race as well so you spanked out well 
on debut, spanked out a 9.03 at Ironman Barcelona, which is pretty impressive. Um, that's, it is a fast course, but still 9.03 is 9.03, yeah. which is uh, impressive. And then you went on to get, th- uh, was it the third in Ironman South Africa at the start of last yeah. year? Yeah. Yeah, that is, yeah. And then that, so that gives you enough um, enough points for, for Kona. And so what, yeah. what sort of, obviously you mentioned that after South Africa, <clears throat> you went on to Kona, you were sort of training full-time. Did some people struggle with that, you know, I think we've talked to Lucy Gossage and some of the other girls and stuff, they've sometimes struggled with that transition of being a, um, you know, a, a pro that's still working and then all of a sudden you become a pro that's got all day to train and you kind of go, well, what do I do with my day? I've, of course, you know, you maybe train three, four, five hours, but what do I do with the rest of my time? And did, did you struggle with that transition or was this, um, did you did you sort of embrace it and love it? Um. I just, uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I always think um, being busy is quite relative. And I was amazed that when I went full time, I thought I was going to have all this spare time. And as soon as I went pro, I've, I just, I feel like I've been quite busy. And I, I don't know if I'm just kidding myself, but I, 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 <laughs> I do train more and I do sleep a lot more because. I mean, when I was working and training, it was ridiculous. I wasn't, I don't, I look back at what I did before and I don't know how I, I don't know how I'm still alive because mm. I was sleeping so little and training, you know, quite a lot. And, you know, I, I, I don't know how I did it. So now it's just sort of, it's probably just a bit of, it's a healthier relationship with my sport because mm. I don't, you know, I don't have to. Um, do it at stupid hours and I you know I actually get time to recover um, and I also train more as well so I didn't find the transition tough I mean a lot of people say they struggle with it being a selfish sport um, maybe I'm a selfish person but I, I, <laughs> I quite enjoy it actually so um, yeah no I, d- I didn't find it too hard oh and, and also I got a dog as well so I've always wanted a dog and then um, going full-time meant that I could have a dog so I was quite happy about that what about identity wise you know because uh, you know a lot of us get identity from our career and oh, you obviously had a very successful career uh, to shift away from that and letting that side of yourself go was that kind of strange or was it you know your life's moved on and I'm just kind of putting my focus forward yeah I mean um it was it's it was quite a, it was quite a good time for me to move on because it's sort of it just happened so much so that almost like the project of of starting this brand and launching the brand in supermarkets it was sort of it come to a stage where the brand was almost settling and it was finding its feet um so i, I almost yeah I, I, it was if i if i look at it as a project it was sort of i got the experience and you know i always it, it's nice to know that you've gained experience that if something goes wrong with your sporting career you can go back to a job with experience mm. um and yeah I, I think I struggled a, a little bit because I do sometimes worry that that I'm not progressing in a stable career and anything could go wrong with triathlon and and then you're you know you are a little bit stuck but I'm quite grateful at the same time that I've had I've done something and I have experience in something other than triathlon that I can go back to if, if, mm. if everything does go wrong and suddenly tomorrow I'm injured and I can't compete. Um, so yeah, I think it, 
it wasn't completely smooth leaving and I you know I do I you do obviously get a certain amount of your identity and um from your job but you know ultimately I think you know it's almost like there's a time to leave any job people Mm -hmm. move jobs all the time and I think it was that time to move jobs even if I'd been staying in the same career I, I probably it probably would have been time to move on anyway so, so what have you done with regards to, to coaching and stuff since you've been involved in triathlon? Have you been doing it yourself? I know your husband was giving you some swim tips and stuff, but um, how have you sort of navigated your way to where you are now? Um, so we very much um, trial and error, I suppose. So very much me and my husband trying new, um, trying new training, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. Um, effectively my my husband is my coach um, we bounce ideas off each other he'll write me a program of what he thinks I should do in a given week and you tell um, him no I'm not doing a, that so I'm yeah, going to do this we, we, we have a big we have a big argument and, <laughs> um, we walk to separate ends of the house and we sulk for a little bit and then we come to a final like version of what I should be doing Um yeah, and um, so somewhere, somewhere, in, somewhere in between, we compromise, and that's my training. So I don't know. I think it's maybe not the fighting bit, but um, it's quite a good way to do it. He he understands how I work, and he understands how my body responds, and he knows more. Than, uh, he he knows more than anybody, um, probably including myself, when I need to pull back, and he knows when I'm tired but I still need to go and do that training session. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes if you're self-coached or you um, are coached remotely, it's very hard for for an athlete to know mm. when to drop a session or when actually they are very tired, but it's Ironman training and Ironman training is tough and actually you do need to go out the door. And I think that's a real plus of living with, your coach, I suppose. Mm. So he do, he does have the ability to kick your ass and get you out the door when you're tired. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It comes so, from love. <laughs> you know? yeah. Tough love. Tough, tough, love. tough love. Now, so tell us about um, going into Kona. You know, obviously you'd, you'd had some good good results, um, but Kona's a you know different different place. You got obviously the the best athletes in the world there. Um, it's obviously a really different, challenging course. How long did you go over there before the race, and um, and what was your sort of expectations and thoughts around what you thought would be a you know a fantastic day or or a good day um, once you'd actually gone over there and seen what it was all about? Um, yeah, so my expectations for the race were very vague. I, I really, you know, I didn't have that clear cut expectations of what I would achieve because. You know, you can't control other people's races. Um, I very much went in with, if I can do my best race, then the result is the result, and that's where I am. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have anything to gauge off from previous years, so I, I wasn't really sure. I thought, you know, I I did think that a top ten was possible. Um, you know, I'm not going to say I went in there just to race and see what happened and um you know I, w- I, w- I am an I am a professional triathlete and so I 
I am competitive. Um, so I did want one of those top 10 spots. Um, and I thought that that was possible, but I also was very aware that it's Kona. There's, it's everyone's a race and, you know, everyone wants that top 10 spot. Um, so I, you know, if I could race my, the, you know, the best of my, to the best of my ability, then I, you know, I wouldn't have been unhappy with, um, 15th and I, I just would have been, um, you know, had lots to go away and, and work on for next year and, um, and try again and see how it goes. I mean, you look at some people's debuts and they're amazing. You look at other people's debuts and they're, they're shocking. Even the, even some of the best athletes that debut at Kona don't crack it. Mm. You know, I'm not saying that I've cracked Kona, but, um, they don't perform well on their first, um, on their first go. I've got to say, your swim was so, pretty bloody impressive. You know, most runners can't swim to save themselves, and it sounded like when you first started, um, maybe you fell into that category, but you swam 57.39, which is only um, less than a minute and a half off the, the front girls. And some of those girls are bloody yeah, top, in you know, top yeah. former top swimmers. So uh, what have you done to get your swim so good? Yeah, um, I was really... I was beyond happy with my swim, really, really happy. Um, I think... Um, I, I made quite big improvements at the beginning of the year in my swim, um, as far as pool swimming's concerned. Um, and I was re- a little bit frustrated all year because I didn't really see any improvements in my swim. Um, and then for some reason, it just um, it just worked for me in Kona. I think um, a combination of just going in there rested, going in there fit, um, and, and, and confident as well. Like, you know, I tried not to be intimidated by the fact that there was the best girls on the start line and just go in strong. Um, and I think that one of the, one of the factors is also in most, even though South Africa is a championship race and there's more women than there normally is in a race. Um, you don't, in, in most 70.3s and most Ironmans outside Kona, um, you don't have the same depth of field. That means that you don't have as many toes to get onto. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, I, I quite happily say that I got onto a good toe and um, and as a result swam really strong. So, but I don't, you know, I don't get that in every race. So I mm. haven't really had the opportunity to show an improved swim as much, I suppose. So, um, but yeah, I was lucky. It really clicked for Kona. So, so moving on to the bike, you know, relatively speaking, you got a bit smoked on the bike by a lot of the girls. You rode five fourteen versus a lot of the girls who were riding, you know, around the five hour mark or just under or just over. Except, for, except for Daniela Reef, who rode four fifty. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, what happened on the bike? And and obviously, you would have been passed by a lot of people. And so, how did you sort of deal with that? So, yeah, maybe just talk us through the bike ride. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I read something I read something before the race about how if you overbike, your you might imp- you might go five minutes faster, but if you bike to your ability, then you'll. This is talking specifically about Kona. Mm. Um, then if you if you overbike, you can end up your marathon could be an hour slower because you've you know that's the impact it has on your race and your overall time limits. Um, but I think, um, I was very aware of overbiking, so I was, I was quite conservative. Um, 
you know, that's not to say that I, I've not got improvements to make in my bike. I absolutely have. But, you know, I was very aware that if I over biked, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to use the run that I know I've got. Um, having said that, because my swim was so good relatively to what I expected, I knew that I could pull back a lot more on the bike. Um, because I think there's a big difference when you're going in on debut and you're not going, you're not going in to win the race. So you don't have to bike off the front and you don't, you know, there's a lot of girls that I ran past on the bike, uh, um, sorry, ran past on the run that had overbiked because they were going for, you know, a, a podium position. So, um, that's, I think that's an advantage that I had because I didn't have to bike on the front and I could let you know, the Daniela Reefs of this world, get, you know, go on and, and bite themselves stupid. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I, I could ride a conservative bike and, you know, I was, I was aiming for that top 10. I wasn't aiming for the podium positions. So it does make it easier to bike conservatively. Well, um, yeah. Sorry, what position did you come off the bike in? I think I was about 16th or something. So I think, I, I mean, you said that you thought that a lot of girls would have passed me, but actually, you know, I passed um, Gina Crawford, I passed Meredith Kessler mm. quite early on in the bike. And then coming back from Harvey, um, I think Lucy Gossage um, passed me first and then Heather, um, Jackson. Heather Jackson and also um, Lundstrom passed me as well. Mm. Um, and they were the only three that actually passed me. And I think that, mm. that's probably a reflection on the good swim that I had. Mm. Um, Lucy said afterwards she, she thought that I was having a stonking ride, but um, but actually it was it was just that I'd had a stonking swim. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you get off the bike. Um, talk us through how the run unfolded because it was really tight. Um, in the, in the end results between sort of, um, I don't know, fifth place and tenth place, there's only you know a handful of minutes sort of covering that, that spread of athletes. So talk us through the run and, you know, the numbers tell us one thing, but what was actually happening out there in terms of passing back and forth and things like that? Yeah, um, yeah it was really hot. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Might, <laughs> people might have told you it was really hot. Um, but um, yeah, no, I, I expected that though, to be honest. So um, I started the run um, and yeah, I started the run quite low down, um, but I think I started quite calmly thinking that I could run my way up and my target was to run into the top 10. Um, I was, I think at that stage, quite confident that I could do it, but, you know, okay into the run running down a leaky drive, it was sort of... I thought, um, I, I remember looking at my Garmin and thinking it was, it w I was running so slow and I hadn't expected that. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think mentally that's where it's, it makes it, it, that's where Kona is such a tough race because mentally it's really tough to see you running much slower than you expect to be running. Um, and it wasn't until sort of, a few k's down the road that I was like you know I'm I'm not running fast but then actually no one's running fast mm. um and I'm actually gaining on quite a lot of girls so um I carried on pushing on and and began to chip off 
a few people and I think I think that's I I love being able to race like that because I think when you're mentally your weakest in the run it really gives you a kick when you know that you're overtaking mm. or gaining on people um I think yeah I I think it must be really tough to do it the other way where the the runs your weakest and that's when your mind's the weakest as well and and you're overtaking I think that that's really tough um so yeah it was it was just a it was it wasn't massively eventful I just um ran a fairly steady pace the whole way um I ran my way up into sick um by the last sort of I don't know probably four k's and with about probably about um just when I was coming down Polani um I saw my husband and he was like oh um you know he was really excited and he was like you're fine seventh is a long way away just enjoy the last I don't know kilometer so I'm I'm jogging along enjoying the atmosphere um and about 400 meters from the end my husband pops out absolutely dripping in sweat um, <laughs> saying that actually seventh place who was Sarah Pian Piano was running me down and I, I I've never it was like the final 400 meters I I felt like I was absolutely sprinting but I'm sure I was going pretty slow <laughs> at that stage but unfortunately what that meant is I didn't really have any time to enjoy the finish line and um enjoy what I considered to be a, a, a great result for me um so yeah I uh, I would have liked a little bit more time to enjoy the finish line um but unfortunately um I couldn't <laughs> so, so has the result changed your life like you know like top team in Kona like what kind of opportunities or has it opened doors for you or, or is it very much very similar post that result um, yeah, it's it, it's made life a lot easier for me. I hadn't realised how much sponsorship depended on Kona. Um, I hadn't realised how many of the main sponsors are out in Kona and how they really care about results at Kona. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's made it's made me. I'm now in a position where I can. I'm, I'm you know, I can make a living out of triathlon, and I'm comfortable and. Um, yeah, it has it has made a difference, and um, yeah, I'm I'm I feel very lucky that I can I can make a living out of um, my hobby. It's it's quite a fortunate position to be in. I mean, I'm out in South Africa now, doing what I used to spend all my holidays from work doing, but I'm I'm out here for six weeks, so um, yeah, it's quite special. And then going into this year, you know, you said in some ways you had the luxury of just heading out into Kona last year, trying to get a top 10, you know, like it was very much an experiential kind of attitude, you know, to see how well I could do. Whereas this year, now you've been there, you've got a sixth. How does that kind of pressure on self change? I think it's quite similar, really. I, I mean, obviously, I'll have more eyes on me when it comes to Kona because I won't any more, more be a dark horse for the top 10. Mm. Um but, um, you know, anything can happen. I, I think, um, you know, I'd like to say that I will step up and top five would be my target. And it will be my target to be in the top five. Um, but, you know, you, history, if you look at the history of Kona, it doesn't necessarily work that way. You know, you see a lot of people that um, do, an, do amazingly one year and then drop out of the 
top 20 the next year. So um, I'm no, under no illusion that actually it will be tough to come back and do the same or better. Um, you know, I, I don't think it was a fluke. I'm quite a consistent athlete. Um, but I also know that I worked hard to get there and it will be just as hard to get to the same level or better. Um, but, um, yeah, but, you know, my target will be, will be a top five. So what's, so what's the plan for this year? You know, one of the big advantages you have from a good result in Kona is you've banked a huge amount of points and you probably only really need one result, um, a good, good Ironman somewhere, maybe a 70.3 to sort of get you back to Kona again. So how, how have you sort of planned this year? Yeah, I mean, points-wise, I think I only really need to validate. I, mm. you know, I don't. I think I've got enough points as I am to to qualify because I because I did seventy point three world champs as well. Nice. Um, I'm I've got quite a lot of points. I don't think I I need to do anything more than an Ironman if if that's how it worked out. Um, but I'm not going to do that because I'm <laughs> a professional triathlete and I want to race. Um, so I'm. I'm actually racing in a couple of weeks at 70.3 South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband's family are all based in South Africa. Um, so it's always nice to come out here. We came out here for Christmas and um, it's a bit of a luxury because the last few, the last few years when I've been doing the race, we haven't been able to come out for Christmas because um, I obviously didn't have the the leave from work to be able to have six weeks between Christmas and the race, which is at the end of January. Um, but this year, I've been able to come out for Christmas and both the race as well, which is um, which is pretty cool. Um, so I'll do seventy point three South Africa, um, and then I'll do. I'm I'm debating whether to go back to the UK and come back out for Ironman South Africa, but I'll definitely be doing Ironman South Africa in I think it's April the tenth, mm-hmm. um, and then I think I'll reassess. Um, what the rest of my season's going to be like from there. But I don't think I'll do another Ironman. I think um, I enjoyed doing 70.3s last year, getting fit with 70.3s and, you know, um, yeah, I, I I think an Ironman really takes it out of you. Um, I, I don't know how, how people do sort of, I don't know, four or five, mm. some people more, Ironmans a year. I think I, I, my body would just be in pieces. I don't, yeah. So I, I think I could do another one and still do well at Kona. But I think um, for this year, I think I'll just, I'll stick to just Ironman South Africa. And then I'll, I'll continue with 70.3s throughout the year. So um, if people want to follow you, do you, what do you, what do you sort of do? You're a Twitterer or a Facebooker or a website? What do you, what do you do if people want to follow your progress? Um, I'm on everything, I think. (laughs) (laughs) You have to nowadays, Um, don't you? Yeah, I know. It takes ages to post anything, to post it across all these platforms. Um, yeah, so I'm on, um, Twitter as at Susie Cheatham, Mm -hmm. um, and Facebook, I've got an athlete page, again, Susie Cheatham, and Instagram, Susie Cheatham as well. Um, and my website is just susiecheatham.com. Fantastic. Oh, no, we look forward to seeing your progress uh, this year. Uh, you obviously uh, cracked it or did a fantastic job on debut. Another minute in that swim and you'll be uh, just sitting pretty in that lead pack, just rolling around waiting for the run. Just rolling around. Just rolling, <laughs> day, uh, leisurely Sunday ride. 
<laughs> it's easy. It's, it's so easy. Oh, <laughs> it is from the sidelines. Any any sponsors you need to, to give a plug or anything uh, new that's on the horizons for you? Yeah, I mean, like I said um, earlier, um, Kona's allowed me to sort of to make a living from triathlon and um, I'm really grateful for that. I, you know, I've, I'm really proud to be part of some great brands. So I'm cycling with um, Cervelo this year. Um, I'm on the Sakoni racing team um, and um, and I'll be swimming with, with Roka. So um, yeah, really um, happy to be with these guys and, um, you know, the, the choice of some of the best athletes in the world. So I feel really fortunate to be to be with them. Fantastic. Yeah, awesome. No, it was fantastic finding out about you because I do remember your name popping up last year and I was like, don't know much about her, I need to get her on the show. But uh, <laughs> no, great race and um, we look forward to maybe seeing you in Kona later in the year. Bring on 2016. Thanks, guys. Yeah, like yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Awesome, thanks. It would be cool to go to Kona. We're going this year, and you could be there as well if you become a patron of the show. Yeah, Remember, it's nice. recommended. Highly <laughs> <laughs> recommended. But it'd be bloody good to go and have that really good race day your first year there. It'd just be good to have a good race there, <laughs> yeah, to be honest. That's true. Yeah. yeah, I didn't have a good race there. But uh, you know what I mean? Like, it, it'd be pretty cool. Mm. I'm going to say, all the POMs females, especially that we interview, are bloody bubbly, nice, happy nice characters, yeah. smiling. Um, you know, you just think Joyce's always it seems to be in a great mood. Lucy, Lucy Gossage, Chrissy, all the girls always seem to be in a good mood. Yeah, pommy chicks they rock. Mm. Yeah. It's not whinging palms. Maybe the guys we'll call the guys the whinging palms, but the girls. No, but Joe Skipper, he was awesome. He was good. He was yeah. a real character. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, it's triathletes. You, the pommy you, triathletes, lovely people. Yeah. Although yeah, I, I can't say I've met that many palms that aren't that nice. You lived there for a while, didn't you, Johnny? Has a differing opinion. Yeah. They're okay. <laughs> I'm half. I'm half, so I can't complain too much. I got a passport. You, what? Your mum or dad? Both. Do they have the accent? Mm, yeah, we'd say so. Not, not too bad. No, not too bad. Did you have a funny accent when you were a kid? No, I've always had an outstanding accent. Because no, because we had we had these next neighbours, the boaters, and the boaters. Were, my family's a bit rough. If I'm going to be mm. really honest, we come on the wrong side of the tracks, and. uh and the boaters were like the Flanders, you know, mm. the Flanders, oh, from yeah. the Simpsons, like yeah. seriously, like the Flanders. And the, they were they were lovely people, but they were definitely the Flanders. And they were both poms, mm. and their kids had the most funniest accents because <laughs> they had the kind of the cross of New Zealand slash yeah. pom. And uh, so, yeah, I was curious if you had that. No. Anyway, um, do you want to do sponsor Extreme Endurance the Lactic Buffer? A finished workout is only just the beginning. Oh, John, it's only the beginning, John. Consuming X-Endurance recovery protein immediately after your training session initiates the rebuilding of damaged muscle tissue and restoration of energy reserves. Rebuild, recover, come back stronger. That's the, that's the idea. And why is that, John? Because it helps you get stronger so then the next training session, you can smack it out again. Um, all X-Endurance products are now available on the Amazon store. Oh, that's good. So what is the implications there? What does that mean, Ben? Well, in some like in some ways obviously distribution yep. um, Amazon have things like Amazon Prime no, you, don't. You, you don't have that here in New Zealand but in America Amazon Prime is a pretty amazing delivery system mm-hmm. so I imagine it, things like that it allows it to be quicker mm-hmm. um, just stuff like that so one other thing on the website at the moment on xendurance.com a guy called Zach uh, stay on that page Zach Bitter breaks a 100 mile American record running 11 hours and 40 minutes, 55 seconds with a mile pace of 7 minutes per mile. Which, which is just is over three hours. Ballpark, about three hours. Just over three hour marathon For 100 pace. mile. That's, that's pretty impressive. That's, now, uh, that's impressive. Yeah. 
Because, you know, like I love doing whatever his name Can is. Canazes, whatever it was. But that 50 marathons in 50 days where he's doing like five-hour mm. marathons, you kind of go, mm. whereas a guy who pulls off 160 Ks at three-hour marathon pace, mm. that's pretty impressive. That, that's very good. That is, that, you know, wow. Mm. Good work. So he's obviously cranking the extreme endurance, uh, gets him through 100 miles. So if it's good enough for him, it must be good enough for you. If a couple of people are asking about the, the Fuel 5, um, uh, which is their five different sources of carbohydrates. Um, I've been giving that a little try on a couple of long rides and actually finding it pretty effective in terms of just going long. Like I'm, I'm very much going down the path of trying to have less when I'm out training these days. And uh, yeah, a couple of rides I've done, good sort of three hours or so, <clears throat> been out, empty stomach, had a bit of Fuel 5 in the second half and, and been absolutely fine. So check it out, xendurance.com for Fuel 5, Extreme Endurance and Protein. I have to say, if you go into the Amazon X Endurance, it's got lots of positive positive reviews. Mm. It's got a couple negative ones, but um, 70, oh no, 77, five stars. And lots and lots of positives, so, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. Xendurance.com. Jumbo questions uh, and answers. We were going to have a high five. I put the pressure on Bevan. He's got to deliver this at some stage. No, but I think we should do the around 500 show. I think we could have more for that, more for the 500. We could use some of this, but I've got to say um, <coughs> Ross sent it through, and what he's done. He's been doing homework for me, John. <laughs> he's, been, he's documented it really well. No, but he's done lots of these. Is he? Yeah, he's been doing it for me for a while. Because Ross basically went back to the start and started listening to the show from the beginning, and he emailed me early on and said, oh, I'm going back to the start, I'm really loving listening to all And I said, mate, if you're listening to these, along the way, can you, you can you tap in? Oh, God. And so then on the 500 show, I can do, that's what I'm working towards. So what he's done is he's gone like episode... Uh, What's his last name, Ross? I haven't got that on here. I've just got oh, Ross. Look you look it up. Yeah. Uh, like, for example, he's got episode uh, 265, three minutes in, Clayton Fatale's nightmare transition at Challenge Cairns in 2011. And then he's got another one <clears throat> at episode 231, five minutes in, when John tries to run downstairs and get his notes in lightning time. So yeah. what I thought we'd do is get the, try to just do a, a soundbite of all these funny moments that we've had over yeah. the years. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm well onto it, John. Okay. So I'm thinking, Ross Little, Ross Little, you're a bloody rock star. And so basically he's going through and he's listened to all these episodes now admittedly Ross you've got a few episodes to listen to in the next month or so <laughs> but, so, but you're a bloody rock star in my mind and so around the 500 show I was thinking that we could do the kind of the best bits mm. yeah I was listening to I was listening I was on SoundCloud and for some reason I had a clip of ours on SoundCloud the other day and um, it was me telling the mini story right yeah that, that, that was pretty funny yeah it, it made me cry laughing when we listened to it <laughs> we lost a plot on that one I tell you <laughs> Um, so do you want to do questions and answers? No, we'll do statistics. Statistic. Okay. F- okay. Uh, statistic. It's fantastic. fantastic. Uh, this is an impressive stat, I think. Okay. There you go. It's w- last year we had five hundred and sixty thousand downloads of I Am Talk. There you go. There you go. That's our stat for the day. There you go. Five hundred sixty thousand. Yep. Not bad, eh? We take up a lot of the internet. We own the internet. <laughs> <laughs> we are Bill Gates. You got nothing on us. Yeah. So I assume we must have done 52 shows. Uh, maybe. 50, 52. Well, no, we, we released we, did, we didn't have... Uh, I did miss... I just, over the holiday break, I was a bit late on one of them. No, you're a bit early on one. No. You'd be really early on one. It came out like two days after the other. Yeah, you really balls that up. I really balls it all up, really. Yeah, you did. You and did. then I forgot a day. Yeah. And then... Yeah. I was on holiday mode. That's okay. I, they got out there. They did. They, you, know, you can still listen to them. Mm. We won't do question and answers, but there are a couple that I do need to bring up. Um... 
first of all, the Joe Rogan interview of Lance Armstrong, did you listen to it? I did, I listened to it in the background, <clears throat> and I don't know what the right word is, I don't feel sorry for Lance Armstrong, but one of the things that really came out of me, so it's, it's about a two hour interview. It's a good interview, uh, it, I quite Joe let him off a lot, Joe didn't have much depth of knowledge, so it kind of didn't help him. Is one thing that Lance Armstrong said to me that sort of... That, said to you? Said to me, well, yeah. He, he ran you uh, and he said, John, John, I've got to let you know this. Just want to listen up to this part in the interview. Is he didn't have that sort of father figure within his group to say, Lance, you're being a dick. Yeah. Pull your head in. And that must be so hard when you're just doing this. Everybody's you're just... surrounded by yes people. Just going, yeah. yes, you're great, you're wicked. And I think Lance has always been a prickly character from day one. You can kind of see that. He was an upstart, amazing athlete, a little bit of arrogance when he was with his youngster and then just became a rock star and everyone's just yes yes Lance that's great yeah. and, and then he just started lying and just get deeper and deeper and deeper a lot of people like that because I remember seeing an interview with a guy who worked with Prince and, and Michael Jackson and he's just saying the problem is no one pulls these people up mm. because there's too much value in being around those people mm. That you don't want to rock the boat, and so they just get surrounded with these yes people. I remember actually, I read Michael Jordan's book. It's a really good book, um, and they were talking about one thing he did is he had a group of friends who he always hung out with, and they were kind of older high school friends or friends from early on, and he'd take them all around with him just so he could have a real bunch of friends, mm. you know. And in some ways, it's such a different life that life, isn't it? Mm. So it's um... although at the same time, the problem I had with the interview, like I think it's a good interview, and it's. Uh, you know, it's interesting he's becoming more open. There's still a level you feel he's still lying about. Mm. So as much as he's been quite upfront, you still think uh, he's, and he's probably stuck that he still has to lie about some level mm. of situation. But, you know, um, just it's, one other email I'm going to bring up. Um, Tom Ward. Tom Ward was the guy who got a million people emailing about age group of the week. <laughs> yeah, literally a million. And seriously, I was like, shut up about Tom Ward already, okay? <laughs> uh, he just sent us an email saying, hey, chaps, I hope you're both having a great Christmas and New Year's. I'm Tom Ward, your age group of the week from episode 493. I've been listening to your podcast for a few years now since starting training for my first triathlon back in 2011. It has provided me with so many great tips and entertainment and is a fantastic way to learn more about this great sport and community. The married couple banter... Who would be the wife? That's the question. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the gold member. <laughs> He's got the gold member. Uh, between you guys, is extremely entertaining. Keep up the good job uh, that you are doing. Think it's about time I gave it, became a patron, I guess. Sorry about that. So sharpen up on that one. Remember, what, what was my word? It's recommended. It's highly recommended. <laughs> uh, the reason for my email is to say thank you to you both for, and more importantly to my wonderful team, Team Passion Fit, who emailed you in their masses to nominate me for age group of the week I've always been in awe of your so many of your age group of the week and the difference they make to the sport and those they connect with for me to be considered to be included in this group of inspiring people was a great privilege and I cannot thank you enough to my team they have been a fantastic group of athletes that motivate me in a way I could have never imagined I absolutely love leading this team and my fit, my fitness coaching uh Domestic Abuse Victim Support Business Passion Fit. When I learned, heard my name mentioned and the reason why I've been nominated as predicted by my wife, I did cry a little. Perhaps if you have time in your show, you could thank them for me. And if it's not too much of your trouble to thank our sponsors, Sketches Performance, Zone 3, Leisure Lake Bikes, Trimax Events, Cancer Physio UK, uh, 
Schiffer, Suffershire, and the Vito Fit, the Velo Fit, Velo Fit, sorry, and for all their help in setting up the team and business. P.S. Trimax Events is run by two of my teammates, Andy and Andrea, who are responsible for their famous cock ring incident. Oh, that's right. Oh, back it up. This yeah. show's come really. You're a goalkeeper in <laughs> a cock ring, I tell you. Oh. So, um, just from Tom, you know, obviously Tom's a bloody rock star, and uh, sounds like you and your team are doing some pretty awesome work. So, nice work. Well done, uh, John. We've got a couple of patrons to, to yeah. come up with here. I've so got one. Gonna, oh, okay. Oh, oh, did you do? I've I've done a couple. So, but the first, um, you've got to do Robert and Lee. Okay. Okay. <laughs> He's smiling and nodding. He's got something. Okay. Here. So Robert, how do you say his last name? I think it's more. Yeah. So nickname. Give me. <laughs> <laughs> give me. Give, give me more, Robert. Give me more. Robert, give me more. Uh, Robert's from New York City. He's on his way to Kona next year. Qualified uh, late last year. So he's going to Kona 2016. Oh, good times. Jeremy the Canalian Hopwood. Nice. Why is it? Try to think. Canalian? Is it Can- Can- Canadian? He's ca- Canadian, but he's an Australian living in Canada. Oh, Canadian. Nice. Canadian. Nice. It's good. Uh, he listens to us on his Wednesday, uh, on his evening runs uh, when his kids are in bed. Then another one I've got here, Skip Peanuts Slade. Oh, nice. Why peanuts? Well, you know, Skip, yep. Skippy. Yep. In New Zealand and Australia, we have a Skippy brand of peanut butter. Yep. So just cool. And he's got, got a coaching Isn't little Skippy co- cornflakes? I think they do peanut butter as well. They okay. do. Uh, he's got Slade Coaching Services in San Diego. So if any, one of his, you're one of his athletes or anything like that, or you need some coaching in San Diego, but just call him Peanuts. Just call him hey, Peanuts. 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 Uh, the next one... <laughs> Anthony, the Squid Express, Camarelli. Now, didn't he do your epic camps? No, no. You're uh, thinking of uh, Anthony DeMarco. Yeah, he was the one that I did, eh? Yeah. He worked for Google, didn't he? Yeah, I did. I think he got some of those early shares. <laughs> he did all right, you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Squid Express, because I thought Camarelli sounded a little bit like Calamari. Nice, nice. So, the Squid Express. I've got Lee Hughes, the move. Is in <laughs> Move Hughes. Now, for those who don't know Move Hughes, Move Hughes was a, a, a very iconic Australian cricketer, quite a stocky character. Um, had this Stocky's a nice word. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe a little bit overweight. Back in the days when they could be overweight, you don't see many cricket players like that nowadays, do you? Oh. And he had this handlebar moustache, but iconically, he drank 52 beers on a flight. Oh, no, that was David Boone. Oh, was that Boone, was it? Yeah, he was also stocky, but he was short and stocky. <laughs> okay. He was a batter. Boone, yeah. Oh, okay, well, Merv Hughes was an iconic as yeah. well. So, Lee the Merv Hughes. And you Australians, look out, because you're coming over for our cricket, and we're going to smoke you. The other day, did you watch the game the other day? Uh, I've watched bits and pieces over. So I was watching it live. The Kiwi guy who got bloody 50 or 14 balls. Oh, yeah, Munro. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good times. Good times. John, sponsors? Athlinks.com. Social network for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. And our patrons. Highly recommended. Highly recommended. <laughs> Go to www.iamtalk.me, become a patron. You can win your trip to Kona. We're drawing it in about what? We're going to draw it during the camp. We'll draw it during the camp. So then hopefully one of the camp, uh, not the camp, the 10-year the anniversary weekend, if someone wins it in that. And if they're there. And they're there, it'd be pretty cool. Not that we're going to scheme it. It'll be very legit and yeah. people will be around to see it's legit. I think Scott Molina can do the draw. We'll do it the old-fashioned way. We won't use... Uh, out of a hat. Out of a hat. Okay. Yeah. I like the idea. Mm. Pretty good chance of being in. Good times. Get on it. Okay, John, you goss. Going out for a bike ride shortly. Also did a bike ride over Christmas with Belinda. Back it up. Back it up. Back it 
up. So Belinda's done no bike riding. Uh, the longest well, on, bike, on, a, on a road bike? No, on a mountain bike. Because well, you've got a mountain bike now, don't you? I do. Yeah. But she's done no mountain, no road. Her, the biggest bike ride she's done is, I think, from Manalani, when she went from the Manalani Hotel down to the restaurant at the corner, which is probably maybe a kilometre oh, uh, since school days. Short distance. So we're on holiday, and she says, well, the, the, one big thing they're doing in New Zealand, which is absolutely fantastic, they're doing all across the country, they're trying to link one end of the country, theoretically, to the other with trails and mountain bike tracks. So, so you can ride the whole length of New Zealand, yeah, in theory. Yeah, some of it's on road, but they're having little patches where you've just got these sort of three, four-day mountain bike yeah. trails. So we've got the, the Otago Rail Trail, there's one on the West Coast Wilderness Trail, and they're all over the, the place. The Ocean. Yeah, and yeah. then there's one up in Kaitoka, which is not a multiple day one, um, which is called the Nelson Great Taste Trail, I think it is, or something like that. And it basically goes from Kaiteri Terry, where we holiday, through to Nelson, and it's about 70 odd k's or oh, so. Oh, so it's a big ride. And I suppose says, we go and ride that. I said, okay. <laughs> so the Holy Hammer was up there. That'd take a while, wouldn't it? Uh, and we went and borrowed the Holy Hammer's mountain bikes, because the ones we have at the batch are pretty crappy. And we, we set off at about 8.15 and finished up at the pub at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, just cruising, yeah. like, um, going very slow, but she did very well. It's got a big hill in the middle, and she managed to get, I thought she was going to be walking up. Was she, she getting angry at you? It. No, not at all. No, we were going slow. It was very, she no, kept, but sometimes when you're the fit person. No, she kept telling me to speed up. Uh, yeah, but that's the problem. You get either or. You get the fit person who feel, people feel mm. bad because they feel you are getting frustrated by them, which mm. you're not. Mm. You know, if I'm training with someone who's slow with me, I'm choosing to be there and I want to enjoy the time with them. But they're like, oh, you're slowing me down. Or they tell you to go faster. Uh, no, it's totally enjoyable. We stopped off. We had like a morning tea yeah, somewhere, then had a hug, and then we had lunch somewhere. So it's got lots of little places where you can uh, uh, we can stop. So that was good times. Um but I was on the Holy Hammers bike, and he's quite a bit bigger than me, and the seat wasn't quite right. I tell you, when I finished that ride, my ass felt like I'd ridden about 250Ks. Mm. Really love hearing that. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. Good. Yeah. Other than that, uh, we had great weather up in Kaiteri, another weather report, clear and sunny most days. No, I think we beat you on weather down in Wanaka. Oh, no, it was pretty good. Wanaka was Im- unbelievable. And then, and then when we were leaving, it started raining, so it was all good. So we, we went to Wanaka, John. Mm. And uh, we had a great trip with the crew, Paul and the crew. Uh, family time in Arrowtown, camping in Monaco, and then we go to Millbrook for a few days. So Millbrook, we had mm. a beautiful room, beautiful mm-hmm. view out of the room. Joe wakes up one morning, have a cup of drink. A pokeku, pokeko, pokeko, killed a baby duckling. Oh, really? <laughs> Joe's going, oh, oh, I'm going, what's happening, baby? She goes, a pokeku, pokeko is killing a duckling, and yeah, and fed it to its baby. Goodness, yeah. That was a bit of a shock. It is. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. John? Yeah. I think I'm going to do a marathon. Are you? Yeah. I'm, were, I'm, you, were you doing one on April the 10th or whatever it is? Yeah. Mototap. Okay. Yeah. I've been able to run through Christmas. Mm-hmm. No injuries. No Touch injuries. Wood. <laughs> Grab hold of wood. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Porno and I did a half marathon on the weekend. We did a good little run there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just him and I. The Porno and I was classic, it's called. Yeah. Um, and then... Yeah, so I'm thinking Mototep's in about another... So you're going to run it or you're going to run and run it hard? Oh, I'm going to run it based on the training I've done. Mm. So like, but I sh- looking at the times, I should just pull off the top 10. Nice. You know, like, you, yeah. you know, the, the guys, the guy the guy who won it, this guy called Chris Darnell, who's a local runner, mm. and he's won it a couple of times, and he does like a three hour, and he's probably a 240 guy, maybe 235 yeah. guy. Yeah. So, you know, I'm probably going to be around about, you know, three and a half, maybe mm. a more than that. The field's not that strong, so, yeah. you know, so I should be able to pull off top 10. But I'll, I'll run conservatively first half and push it home. But it's just nice to be able to run. Like, I haven't nice. done a race in probably three years. Nice. So, t- touch, grab wood. 
yeah. first of all. Yeah. Because I have to say my calves are very tight right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to run up Bowenvale today, so it's nice. good times. And, uh, yeah, so there you go. Good anyway, times. you want to wrap it up, don't you? Yeah. I've got to roll down the hill going on a bunch ride. I have not done this bunch ride for years. God. I used to always dominate that ride. And then about... Uh, they have some pretty dominant... Di- the, oh, no. I think, it's, no, no, it's cha- I think it's changed quite a bit over the years. It used to be... Good riders. And what do you say? You, you, just, you just don't take away my credit. I'm not, I'm not taking away your credit because you, you crushed it. But that now they have some top cyclists there. Like, uh, yeah. But I've got, I'm in a no illusions. I'm going to be absolutely drilled. Yeah. Absolutely drilled. You basically get to the bottom of that first hill and then it becomes a bit of a solo ride in some ways, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well. Other than that, Bevan, what's been happening? Star Wars! Oh, yes. So were you happy with it? Well, yeah, not, no, it was good. It was classic. Okay, if you haven't watched it now, turn off. Because you should have watched it first of all. Yeah. So was Thomas happy? Thomas was happy. Yeah. 3D was pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't watch it in 3D. On opening day in New Zealand. Did you know? You, I mean, you will know this, but a lot of people won't. There's five Star Wars movies coming out in the next five years. Yeah, I didn't know that. Crazy. Yeah, were three, two more in this series and then there two offcuts. Offshoots, one's on Boba, yeah. Boba Fett. Boba Fett, one's on Harrison Ford and one's on... Oh, one's on Harrison Ford. One, one's on Han Solo. Earlier on? No, yes. So it's, the we have a new one. character for him? No, it was what Harrison Ford used to do before. Yeah, a young Harrison Ford. Yeah. Young So it won't be Harrison Han Ford? Solo. No. Yeah, young. No, it was great. Really enjoyed it. Blinda enjoyed it, which was a surprise. She'd had very low expectations. Joe loved really it. Joe loved it more than I did. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't say I loved it. I thought it was good. Um, but I kind of see why they had did what they had to do. It was just classic. They went back to some real oh, classic things. It's classic. The chessboard, did you see that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, John. Yeah. Oh. I think they're struggling to make some money on it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a real, they're really struggling. So. All right. Okay, let's wrap it up, John. Oh, do, hold on. Oh, right, you're right, the one who wants to finish uh, it. I will go now, but you were saying about all the records, because yeah, I know you follow all the stuff. Do, has it set re- I know it set records and you never know where, but has, is it actually, did it beat Avatar or anything like that? No, so in America it has. Mm. So in America it's the biggest selling film of all time. Mm. Um, it's sold about $830 million to date. Um, but it, I don't think it'll get to Avatar, because it's currently about $1.7 billion. Mm. And Titanic's one point two two point one billion, so it probably will get Titanic, but if it does two point seven billion. So well, it Chinese though, it's not even like coming out in China until No, it just came out the other day. Oh, is it? And it made it made a lot of money, but to get another billion mm. it's probably unlikely. So Avatar will probably worldwide will still be the best at Very this good. stage. So but still again. I don't, the, the thing is, it will make more money than Avatar because, like, who bought Avatar toys? Mm. And and the real money in Star Wars because you know the story of George Lucas, eh? So the the, the real interesting story oh. about <laughs> no, no. <laughs> make it quick. <laughs> <laughs> you open the door. The real interesting thing about Star Wars was when they did the first one, the movie company thought didn't really think it was going to be much of a success. Mm. So when George Lucas negotiated his deal, he said, "Well, look." I won't take much money before it, but can I have the toys? And mm. toys weren't a big thing back in those days. So he was the guy who made all the money off the toys. Mm. And that's where, in Star Wars, they make so oh, much yeah. money. So, you know, it might not be Avatar and profit-wise, but I think it'll make a lot more money in it. So, you know. Iron Russ. I'm Nope. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick hard. hard.